We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of a Pack-A-Day podcast. It is episode 222, which is good because it's not three sixes in a row, I guess, is what we're going to go with for tonight. I am your host. I am not Andy Herman, so I apologize ahead of time for the downgrade that you guys have received tonight, at least on this end. However, I can promise you, you are at least upgrading when I kick it to my next person. That is Maggie Lawler. Maggie, new-ish. To this sort of exercise, but welcome. I haven't been able to do that yet. So welcome to the show. Welcome to this show. How's it going tonight? 
It's going good. We've had a fun couple of days here watching the Combine. It's been a blast. Um, lots of good stuff happening, and I can't wait to break it down with you. Absolutely. I'm excited. Just talking pre-show. Uh, one thing's for sure. You definitely know your stuff, so that's always good yeah. when you can pair up with somebody that does know what they're talking about. It's definitely preferable to somebody who doesn't. The The biggest thing I want to start with today is it's Sunday at about 6.30 as we're recording right now, and today was linebackers, pass rushers, and defensive linemen. So a big day for Packers fans, definitely invested in that pass rusher position, uh, at least in my opinion, the biggest need on this Packers team. And there are some guys that have done uh, some good things for themselves and other guys who have not. Uh, One of those guys who was, it's been kind of a consensus, Maggie, to this point it seemed like there's even a sign made somewhere, I believe it was Matub, made a sign that says, Polite Dash Reisner 2019, very similar to a uh, political campaign, and um, that didn't go so well today. It's almost become a bit of a consensus within the Packers fan base that they wanted Polite at 12, 30 a little flexible between one of the Iowa tight ends, maybe Irv Smith and Dalton Reisner. It seemed like those are kind of the four guys in those two spots that have been talked about the most, and I guess I'll start with were you... Before this day started, were you in that majority saying Ja'Kai Polite at 12 overall? Yeah, over at the Lombardi Lounge, we did a team mock draft where everyone gave their seven-round predictions, and Polite was my guy at 12. So after today, I definitely have to revise that. Um, I hesitate to think that he'll even go in the first round any longer, which probably makes him a steal in the second round maybe the third round if he falls that far, but he definitely was my guy. I was high on his uh, pass rush ability to force fumbles. I thought he'd pair well with Mike Smith, and now I'm in a tailspin. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm in a, a tailspin, so to speak, <laughs> just yet, but I was with you uh, to a point, I should say. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite, uh, Brian Burns, and Josh Allen, to me, were kind of on the same playing field. I think you could interchange those three, and I would be willing to listen either way, however you had them ranked. Uh, it seems like I'm kind of in the minority on that. It seems like people think Josh Allen is a cut above those two guys. But Polite did himself no favors today. Uh, he worked out poorly. Uh, he ran a 4.840, which not a big deal, but then he pulled out of the combine with a hamstring injury. According to Bill Huber, he said a source told him that Polite injured himself 10 days ago and was advised to shut it down when he re-aggravated it after the 40 time, but then Matt Miller came out and basically said that there are five guys that have texted him, and they all think that that injury is BS, uh, for his exact phrasing, actually. So whether or not it was true doesn't really matter at this point, because if those five teams think it, his stock has plummeted, at least on those five teams' boards, immediately. And then you add in, let me start here, actually, before we get too much into his workout stuff. There was a mini controversy I guess is the right term on how he interviewed uh, with the team. Now Ross Uglum of Cheesehead TV and Packaday Podcast was there. He said it's not a big deal. I trust his opinion but did you see any issues with the way he answered questions? He seemed to be a little sensitive to constructive criticism or was this just something that was overblown? It was actually it was your Twitter that made the point that I wholeheartedly agreed with but you know we are getting maybe like a minute long clip at max, maybe a couple 30-second clips of what these conversations look, look like. So when we 
are reading transcripts. You can't get a tone from these guys based on the words you're reading. It's really hard to judge their sincerity or their inflection or, you know, how they're actually sounding when you're reading about something that may have been said. So to me, when I read about it, I thought it was a much bigger deal than when I actually saw the clip and got to watch it. I thought that he was maybe being a little tongue-in-cheek and maybe it sounded like he just wasn't prepared for the type of questions that he was receiving, which, again, he should have been prepared for. That doesn't help his case, but I don't think that that aspect of what happened was as big a deal as it seemed to be. No, I agree with you. Uh, I don't I don't think it was that big of a deal. After I read the transcription and then was like, oh, my God, that's the worst thing that he could have possibly said. And then I heard what he said, and I kind of pointed out, like you mentioned, the hardest part of somebody who's outside of the organization, which if you're in the org, that's awesome. I would love to know that, but <laughs> I'm assuming that you're not. Um, we're outside of the org, and we're trying to evaluate these prospects, and the character portion is the hardest part because – We don't get to know these guys outside of, like you mentioned, those 40-second, 60-second clips that the tone is hard to judge, and he's 20 years old. I mean, I'm kind of a smartass now, and I definitely was when I was 20 years old. So I imagine he's got some immaturity issues to deal with, as most people that age do. At the same time, then you add in some of the concerns about some people, there are whispers that maybe Polite doesn't love football that much. And a friend of mine pointed it out to me that, you know, the last time, maybe that doesn't matter, but the last time the Packers took somebody who didn't love football, it did matter. And that was Eddie Lacy, who had two really good seasons, kind of got himself in trouble during his third season. He was okay in his last year in Green Bay, signed a minimal contract in Seattle, and now is out of the league, not playing or pursuing a football career, at least to my knowledge, at this point. So, it does matter. It's just to the extent of how much. And then you go to on the field where his 40 time is poor. He pulls out with an injury, which it could be legit, but it looks bad. Uh, there, yep. I believe uh, Tony Pauline said that, quote, unquote, hamstring injury is code for ran slower than I needed to. And he said that before right. the combine started. So coming into this, like I mentioned, I had those three guys on the same plane. Now I do think that there's at least some concern to the point where, One, I feel very confident as of today, and this is subject to change, that he's not going to be drafted 12th overall. I feel pretty confident in saying he's not going to be drafted in the first round. Uh, how, How are you on that standpoint? Am I overreacting? That's definitely something that happens a lot this time of year, but do you think he's still a first round possibility? I think he might be in play at pick 30 depending on his pro day his pro day is on march 27th so he's got like three weeks to get that hamstring right if the hamstring is in fact the reason that he's running slower um, or the reason that he did pull out um i'm with you there I i thought it was pretty timely that like you said they always say the hamstring injury is code for "Ooh, that was not a good performance and then suddenly he's out for the day Um, But they did talk about, too, how he came into the combine really unprepared. He had bad weight on him uh, that didn't help his performance. So I think at this point in time, he's a second-round prospect. But depending on how that pro day goes, if he can put himself back into the conversation with Sweat and Burns, um, maybe you can take him in the later round of the first. And maybe he's someone that could go in the late teens, early 20s. But right now... You know, and Andy Herman, our fearless leader, had a great tweet um, comparing Polite to, Jarv- or to Harold Landry last year. 
And I really liked that because I was really high on Harold Landry and I wanted the Packers to take him at 44 before he went 41 to Tennessee. Um, and he compared Polite's character concerns. They're, I mean, obviously different, um, but to Harold Landry's injury concerns and how Landry ended up being a top 15 guy that slid all the way into the second round. So it wouldn't surprise me if Polite is this year's draft crush that does kind of have up free fall, maybe into the beginning of the second round. Yeah, definitely possible. Harold Landry is probably going to test better than Polite. Yep. Here's something else that it might depend on what what teams value. Because Harold Landry dropped because of injury concerns. Ja'Kai mm-hmm. Polite, if and when he drops, is going to be because of character concerns. And at least to me, I would say character matters to some degree. Now, I'm not saying they're all going to be choir boys or anything like that because that's not ever going to be the case. But if I hear whispers again, like I mentioned, and maybe I'm still scarred from Eddie Lacy. That's certainly possible. But if I hear whispers of this guy doesn't love football, if I'm using a first-round pick on somebody, I want to make sure this guy eats, sleeps, and breathes football. So as of yeah. right this second, I think he's out of consideration at 12. Let's talk about the 30th pick for a minute, though, because some people have – some different philosophies on that pick on whether it's like a lottery ticket and you can kind of use it on a position that maybe isn't, you know, positional value is definitely a thing, pass rushers, quarterbacks, left tackles, stuff like that. Uh, but with this extra pick, you can maybe use it as something you didn't anticipate having and take a risk on a guy. So maybe Polite could be in play there. I tend to think that's going to be a pick that they're going to try to move from, whether it's up or down will depend on who's falling. If, say, we're at the 26th pick and Noah Fant is still sitting there on the board, and the Packers decide they really like him, they can move up without giving up their second-round pick and go get him. Or TJ Hawkinson is another example of a guy they could go get, or maybe Devin Bush, the linebacker uh, from Michigan, who's definitely earned himself some money this weekend as well. Polite could be a player in that situation that I could at least see them considering. But I do know also that Brian Gutekunst has taught culture, 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 and locker room and all that sort of stuff ever since he's been the general manager. And he's backed it up with his actions. Ha Ha Clinton Dick said, I'm not sure I'm going to be here. He was gone. Ty Montgomery right. is insubordinate to his coaches. He's out. Jermaine Whitehead has a stupid penalty. He's cut. There's plenty of guys. Uh, Winston Moss tweeted about Aaron Rodgers and was fired within like three hours of that. So do you think, I guess, what's the earliest scenario you could see? Because you mentioned the 44th pick as a possibility. Is 30 in play or kind of put yourself in Brian Gutekunst's chair here? What do you think he's thinking as we get closer to this year's draft? I think you need to see his pro day. Um, but I also, if I am, you know, Brian, and I'm, I'm looking at, um, he, as we talked about the character concerns, he doesn't seem like someone that necessarily loves being coached. And to me, when I think of players that love football and love to play the game, eat, sleep, and breathe it, they are the guys that constantly want to be coached. And we just went through this whole thing with Aaron Rodgers and how you have to find someone who can coach him up because maybe he thinks he's above coaching. And, you know, it's a little different to compare someone like Aaron Rodgers, who's a two-time MVP, Super Bowl MVP, with someone that's trying to get drafted saying, oh, I don't know if I really need that much coaching. I thought they only showed me my bad tape. So I think depending on how he interviews out the rest, we don't know how his private interview went. We don't know what the quote-unquote bashing really was like. Um, but depending on how the rest of his interviews played out, what teams you know can kind of gauge from those and his pro day, 
I don't mind him at 30 if you do feel that he's someone that loves football. Like we said, he's 20 years old. He's a young guy. He's got a lot to learn about being in the league and being a professional. But if he could be one of your premier edge rushers and you have the option to extend him on a fifth year um, instead of you know giving him mega bucks or only a four-year contract, he might be worth the risk. But to me right now, I would say he's a, a pick 44 kind of guy. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you there. Um, and even that's something, I mean, the, they, the general manager in the front office will know more than we will. So it's a possibility. You know, Tim Williams was brought up. Uh, ben Fennell brought him up as a situation for Polite a long time ago. And everybody just kind of brushed it off. And now it's becoming a really good comparison. For those that don't remember, real quick, Tim Williams was a late first-round prospect for Alabama as a pass rusher coming out. Had The difference with him and Polite is that Tim Williams had some concerns from his character from a standpoint of football, and I believe he had some drug concerns as well uh, when he was coming into the draft. So he became the 78th overall pick to the Baltimore Ravens, which would be considered a colossal failure at this point for Polite because, like I mentioned, you know, just two days ago, a lot of people were pegging him to Green Bay at 12. So when you go from 12 to 78, that's millions of dollars that we're talking about and guaranteed contracts and all that sort of stuff. So they'll know more than we do. If they take a risk on a guy in the third round like Polite, I'm not going to be upset. I'm not. His tape is still very good. That still is true. To the 44th overall pick is something, again, like I mentioned, I think that's where he's going to be in play at the earliest for Green Bay, if at all. So real quick before we go through here, we mentioned Polite is kind of at the top here. So with the 12th overall pick right now, do you have that position? Well, I don't want to say peg necessarily because you don't want to pigeonhole yourself, but if they're picking a pass rusher and you have your preference of guys, who is your guy right now? If we're saying Polite's off the consensus, who's your guy at 12? He's not gonna. I don't know if he'll be there, but you know, there's probably 20 guys that we're saying right now won't be there at 12. Um, give me Brian Burns if I have to make a decision right now at 12. And you know, I guess that'll depend on if the quarterbacks push the draft up. If maybe DK goes earlier than anticipated now and he's like a top 10 pick depending on how the board falls for edge rushers if i have my my ideal pick i'll take brian burns because he is a freak athlete 9.91 ras score 20 years old only uh him off the edge with mike Patton is going to be beautiful if it ever happens I'm with you. I had Brian Burns as my uh, second ranked. If you had to ask me to differentiate, I actually had him a second behind Nick Bosa. Uh, I've been, I've, he's the only prospect I've actually shared a video of to date. Uh, his spin move and his just his length and ability. There's a forced fumble he has. I believe it's against Virginia Tech where I mentioned, you know, somebody will bring up run defense to me and I'll be like, yeah, but he'll make a play like this two plays later and you will not care at all about his run defense. So, I'm with you on Brian Burns. Uh, if he's there at 12, I think you run to the podium. I don't care who else is on the board at that point, uh, at least realistically. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if Nick Bosa is on the board at 12, then I think that's a situation where you're going to talk a little bit. But that's probably not going to happen. Uh, but I'm hopeful. You know, We always say, like you mentioned, there's 20 guys I've heard today that aren't going to be there, and the Packers pick 12. So I'm no mathematician, but my understanding is that 20 is more than 12. So that's not possible. Let's talk about some other guys that have helped themselves this weekend and hurt themselves at the Combine. I just got off a show with Jason Perrone, so if you guys are listening to that show and this show on the same day, I'll be very brief and then let Maggie talk. Is My guys were, I think Devin Bush helped himself. Uh, I've thought based on the tape that he was better. 
uh, than Devin White anyways as a prospect. And then he measured in one inch shorter, so his height can't really be a concern at this point. So that is one. Uh, Chase Winovich is another one. Again, I'll get accused of Michigan homerism. That is fine by me. I don't care. Uh, very athletic, not just a high motor guy. Somebody that really helped himself uh, in today's process. And then, I mean, obviously DK Metcalf with basically broke the combine outside of his agility uh, testing. So those are kind of the guys that I saw right away that jumped off the screen for me. Maggie, who are some guys? We'll go with helped before we get into her. We mentioned, obviously, Polite hurt himself. We know that. We'll assume that when we transition. But who are some guys that help themselves uh, through the defensive backs? See, no, I was strategic because I follow you on Twitter, obviously. So I I knew not to talk about Bush, and I knew not to talk about Winovich because <laughs> I, I knew those were your guys. So how can we ignore what Montez Sweat did today? Absolutely. I mean, that was incredible. And I don't know if he was pegged as a top 10 guy before today. I know that some people had him as early as 8. Some people had him in the late teens, early 20s. A couple mocks had him going to the Packers at 12. If he's there, I know his bend can be a little bit of a concern, um, but he certainly helped himself today. Um, I would also say um, Drew Tranquil, the Notre Dame linebacker, helped himself today. He looked pretty good. Um wouldn't necessarily call him a first rounder, but I think that his stock is on the rise. Now, someone else, I was looking at uh, lineman prospects, and you know, the Packers, they have their prototypical guy that they look for. Yep. Um, I had Chris Lindstrom in my mock. I know everyone talks about their mocks, but I had him as a third round prospect. I thought he was an ideal guard for the Packers. He would immediately solidify that right guard position. Um, and he he had a really strong combine. He had a 9.82 for his RAS. Um, and I did have a note of that. I mentioned that on Twitter today. I know some people have talked about it. Brian Gutekunst loves himself some high RAS scores, some freak mm-hmm. athletes. If you look at his last draft alone, Kendall Donerson, EQ, James Looney, Oren Burks, Jair, and then his free agents even. I mean, Gerhard DeBeer had a 9.44, Tony Brown, 9.31. So he is all about those incredible athletes. Even, I mean, the football is the most important part, but he will always go after those impressive athletes. So Ross had mentioned, too, you know, you look at the, the guys with the elite scores are automatically going to be on his radar. And some fans don't understand why, don't get maybe what that would be about, but it's the good connection. He loves, loves elite scores, and I think Chris Lindstrom – is a great prospect for the Packers on the offensive line if they don't take someone like Dalton Reisner in the first round. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. You mentioned Ross pointing that out. Of the Packers' last 21 picks, he tweeted, 14 RAS scores have been 8.4 or better. So you mentioned some of those guys. Uh, Kevin King, Josh Jones, uh, let's see here, D'Angelo Yancey, uh, Aaron Jones, Kofi Amichia. Uh, and then you got some of those guys from last year, like you mentioned. The vast majority of them were high RAS scores as well. So I definitely think there's a matter. Uh, there, a trend is a trend, and it's there for a reason. It can't just mean – it can't be a coincidence at 14 out of 21. That's a really high percentage. Right. And then you mentioned the free agency stuff as well. Athleticism matters to Green Bay. Uh, hopefully at this point they're picking some athletes that happen to be really good football players as well. So you mentioned guys that help. Montez Sweat's another dude, obviously. I mentioned – I have to go back and watch him again because his his athletic testing scores indicate that he can bend the edge. Now I just want yeah. to know why why didn't you basically or did I miss something? That's certainly possible right. as well. 
Ja'Kai Polite, we mentioned, hurt himself uh, very badly, it appears, to the point of maybe some Tim Williams-level uh, type stuff, like we mentioned. Some other guys. It was a really bad weekend for the University of Georgia. Elijah Holyfield ran a really slow 40. Riley Ridley did not have a good workout. And the worst one of all was Isaac Nauta, uh, the tight end, who coming into the weekend, based on his film, I had him ranked in the top five as far as tight end prospects and was touting him as somebody as a later round uh, not day one, but maybe early day two guy that I liked for Green Bay to solve their tight end issues or maybe pair him with somebody like the kids from Iowa or the Alabama uh, tight end, Irv Smith. And then he had a, I think I think you told me before the show, it was a RAS score of 133. He ran a 49940. Okay, still really bad. <laughs> yeah, really bad. Yeah, really bad. So a 154, and then he ran a 49940. And then, I mean, you just go through. No tight end has ever succeeded with athletic testing like that. And this is a guy who is supposed to be a move tight end, somebody who you put in space and make plays similar to the way the Saints used to use Jimmy Graham, just for example's sake. Georgia had a really bad weekend. Uh, Ja'Kai Polite is another guy I mentioned that had a pretty rough weekend. And, I mean, that's really what stuck out to me. C.C. Jefferson had a really bad weekend, I know, uh, as far as some of the edge rushers go. So that's really where it sticks out to me. A really, for the SEC speed guys, not a great weekend for some of your people there. So, Maggie, you mentioned a couple guys to me before the show, but, I mean, who else else hurt themselves as far as costing them money? I would say, and it's not, I don't think it'll take him out of the first round by any means, but Jonah Williams didn't have an ideal combine performance. He didn't do too well in the drills. Um, I know that he was comped to, like, a Joe Thomas. Some even had him. Um, with a David Bakhtiari because of those shorter arms. I know there was talk about moving him to guard, um, but his his combine performance didn't necessarily help his case. I don't know how well or how bad it actually hurt him. I think he'll still be a first-round pick. Um, But I did love his attitude in his interviews. Um, He made some type of comment about um, someone asked him about his short arms, and he made a comment about, you know, writers having short arms and whether it affects their ability to to type faster or, you know, lose their keyboard. So clearly it doesn't bother him. Um, he has an average RAS score, so it's not as big of an issue with, with tackles. But he, he fell a little bit. I know he was mocked in the early teens, maybe even the top ten in a couple boards, but I don't think he'll be the first tackle off the board anymore. I'll put it that way. Totally fair, I think, at this point. Um there was a question you had mentioned, and you haven't told me what it was, so now I'm curious. But you had a question that you wanted to ask and kind of just bounce some ideas, so I'm curious. What is it? All right, so if you are the GM of the Packers, which someday I know we all aspire to be, you're at pick 12. This is a loaded class. Are you trading up for anyone at this point? Are you trading down and letting the board fall to you, or are you staying pat at 12? Yeah, that's uh... – that's a really good question. I'm sure it's going to be talked about a lot between now, uh, obviously in the middle of April or the end of April in this case. First of all, let me say, everybody that's listening, thank whoever it is that you pray to that I am not the GM of the Packers because <laughs> we would definitely be a bottom-tier franchise. I can promise you that. But I would tell you that this is a class where I think the Packers are in need of blue-chip talent. And if let's just say, you know, like, I think it's pretty much consensus at this point. Kyler Murray is going to go number one overall, uh, which yeah. I don't understand. But again, I don't I don't run a franchise, so what do I know? But if you see somebody like, say, we're talking, well, Detroit won't trade with you, so pick nine. 
and Buffalo's on the clock and you're sitting there with a Brian Burns or an Ed Oliver or a Josh Allen or somebody like that, I would be willing to trade up for those guys. Now, if none of those guys are there when you're sitting at 12, I think trading back is an option also to where you move down a few slots to 15, let Washington come up and get their quarterback, grab an extra third, maybe a second. I'm not quite sure how that how that chart will work out there. But I would be willing for any and all scenarios in this case. Uh, Gutekunst had said last year that he was trying to trade up, but basically until he wasn't anymore. Uh, but I, I think that if Green Bay is trading up in general, I think it has to be somebody that they feel is very, very special, not somebody that you're getting to prevent not getting anyone. So, for example, let's just say we get to a point where the only edge rushers left on the board are Montez Sweat and Cleland Farrell, just for example's sake. Trading up for one of those guys and they don't feel he's necessarily special just to make sure that you get one, I think that's bad practice uh, because there are going to be blue-chip players at other positions then that have fallen to that 12 spot even if one of those guys isn't there. So I would be ready for any and all scenarios. Is there anybody in your mind specifically that you would be willing to move up for? I agree with you that it's got to be a guy that, I mean, you're looking at, if you're going top 10, this is going to be someone that will be one of the faces of your franchise for many years to come. You you have to be as sure as you can be that he's going to be that kind of uh, game-changing player. I'm with you if it's Burns. Um, I'm not too sure. Ed Oliver, we didn't get to see him too much at the Combine. I don't know. Uh, maybe at his pro day we'll see something else, but... You know, he's a name now that potentially could be there at 12. I think if you get some type of freak scenario where, like, Josh Allen is falling into the late, like, 8-9, like you said, the Lions won't trade with you. But if, you know, he's there at 6 or 7, you might consider it. Brian Burns, definitely I would consider trading up for. But I'm here for Packers Twitter exploding and Brian Budakun's trades back for another first-round pick in 2020. <laughs> so fans have to wait even longer to use two first-round picks. Oh, God, that would be really funny, <laughs> first of all, just because last year everybody freaked out when they traded out of the pick, and then they still ended up with Jair Alexander, who's a really good player uh, for them this past right. year, obviously. And now they would have to trade back pretty far in order to do that. But it's possible that Gutekunst then in that case could do the same thing he did last year where he trades back and then moves right back up for his guys, has two first-round picks next year, and probably, quite frankly, this year as well. If he just say, like, Houston moves up from 20, I think it's 23, and gave up next year's first for a guy, Packers could move back up to, like, 15 uh, by using a third-round pick or one of their two fourth-round mm-hmm. picks to get one of those guys. So that would be funny. I'm all for Packers Twitter exploding because – that tends to be their primary primal nature anyways. So yep. I'm all for that. That would be uh, very funny. And then first and foremost, I like to be entertained. So that's what we're going to go with uh, for a little bit as far as guys who have helped and hurt themselves. Let's transition a little bit away from the draft uh, and go into Andy Herman again uh, to keep bringing him up because it's his slot. Posted the other day a tweet. said, you have $40. And said, here are your free agents. So, Maggie, I'm going to kick to you first. But just so everybody has our list, and if you listened to Zach's show last night or this morning, then you heard uh, that you heard these names, but I'm going to bring them by you again. Trey Flowers is $17. Earl Thomas is $14. Roger Saffold, Landon Collins, and Le'Veon Bell are $12. Anthony Barr is $11. Golden Tate is $10. 
Lamarcus Joyner is $9. Dante Fowler, John Brown, Adrian Amos, Zach or Shaq Barrett, and Zach Smith, I'm not even going to try with his real name, are $8. Jared Cook is $7. Bashad Breland and Trey Boston are $6. Clay Matthews is $5, and Mo Wilkerson is $4. So, Maggie, I've given you $40 to sign those players. Who are your guys? I went back and forth a lot, as I'm sure most people did when they started their list, but I took Earl Thomas. I don't necessarily know or think that that is the likelihood. I, I think someone else will outbid for his services, but I took Earl Thomas because he immediately solidifies one of the biggest positions of need on the team. Um, so that was $14. Um, also took Dante Fowler and Shaq Barrett as my linebackers. I think between the two of them, Shaq Barrett a little underutilized in Denver, um, you know, with Bradley Chubb coming in and then Von Miller on the other edge. He didn't really have a ton of snaps to take. Um, so that's $16 between my two edge rushers. So I'm at $30. And then for my last $10, I'm taking Breland to come back and help with the cornerback position. I don't know if he's your your corner number two or three, but he adds value um, if he comes back at a reasonable price. And then, you know, with my last $4, I'll take Mo Wilkerson because I thought that he had a very small sample size and I'd like to see him with Mike Patton for another year. But I would also be willing to give up $4 if someone like Dexter Lawrence is chilling at 30 and you want to take another young guy because not to get too far into the future, but we've got a Mike Daniels contract year coming up. Kenny Clark is going to need some money, and Clark has to stay in Green Bay. So I don't think it's time necessarily to start looking at younger guys on the line, but, you know, for now I'll take Wilkerson unless the draft shakes out a different way. Yeah, and I feel pretty, not very confident, but pretty confident in saying we're looking at Mike Daniels' last year in Green Bay. They just don't tend to give out third contracts. He's an older player. He's missed the last couple years with some time with injuries. So that's where you're going to go. So you went with Earl Thomas, Dante yep. Fowler, Shaq Barrett, Bashad Breland, and Mo Wilkerson. Yep. My list is going to sound relatively similar, so that's kind of a bummer. But <laughs> I also am going to go with Earl Thomas. If I had my pick of free agents, uh, a lot of people you know, have recently been talking about like the Instagram post with uh, ha ha Clinton Dix and uh, Landon Collins. My comment on that is if you're going to spend, in this case, $12 on Landon Collins, what's an extra $2 million to get a better player uh, who's been a generational player at the free safety position? So Earl yeah. Thomas, a lot of people have kind of pegged him to Dallas, but he's also said that he wants to be the highest paid safety. I am willing to do that over the next three or four years. So Earl Thomas, I'm going to sign him for $14 million. I'm going to go with Shaq Barrett and Zach Smith uh, okay. at the at same idea that you had there. It's just Dante Fowler, somebody who he's been a popular name. He's got that high draft pedigree. I've just never seen a lot of production out of him he's in that spot. Very hit or miss, uh, and I'm not I'm not a big proponent of that. So like you, I'm now at thirty dollars, and I have ten dollars left to spend. You brought back Breland. I'm actually going to go with Trey Boston, uh, somebody okay. with six bucks. And solidify that safety spot. There's two vets. Earl Thomas is awesome. Trey Boston's like the light version, if you will, of when people want to sign Earl Thomas. They'll just say, we'll just sign Boston for half the price. I got both of them. I feel really good about my safety position right now. Two guys that can run and cover. They're not exactly soft against the run either. 
uh, and you can kind of kick that can down the road a little bit to find a long-term solution, especially with me as somebody who I don't love the safety prospects in this year's draft. There's nobody that I feel comfortable with in the first round. If you told me they picked one at 44, I'd probably be okay with it, but I don't love it if that's the idea. And like you mentioned, I got $4 left over. If I had my druthers, I'm not going to cheat, but if I had my druthers, I'd find a way to get an extra dollar to bring back Clay Matthews over Mo Wilkerson, but I can't do that because that's cheating, like I mentioned. So I'll bring back Mo Wilkerson because I have the extra $4, and I can cut him at the end of camp if uh, if things don't work out. Like you mentioned, they'll probably add a body in the draft. They have guys like Dean Lowry, um, Tyler Lancaster, Fiddle Brown. There's some young guys in there that if they outperform, Montrevious Adams is another one. If they outperform Wilkerson, I can cut him. It doesn't bring a whole lot of bad to my cap, if you will, to bring him in. So those are my guys. Again, kind of the same idea. Safety, two pass rushers, and then Muhammad Wilkerson. Uh, And then you took a corner, I took another safety. I'm not against the idea of Bashad Breland uh, necessarily, but I do think that since he's one of our guys, we've kind of overvalued him. That's not the right word because he did play well last year, but just to some degree. Um so that's what we have there for the uh, free agency game that Andy played. Go ahead and check it out. Give us your give us your answers. How are you going to spend that $40? You can't use somebody that's not on the list. That's definitely cheating. But uh, <laughs> let me know if there's guys that you want to bring back uh, and things of that nature. A little bit of Packers news here before we wrap up. One, a few things. Uh, outside linebackers I mentioned. Nick Perry, a source close to him, according to Rob Domoski, said he won't be surprised if the Packers do not pay him his roster bonus, which is due here in the middle of March. They were seen talking to Clay Matthews' agent, which he represents other guys than Clay. Landon Collins is one, which is why that Instagram post kind of was some interesting timing. But Matthews, uh, it seems like, is going to test the market, and then the Packers are going to have at least a chance to match that. And that's kind of where I want to go, because Nick Perry, I think everybody, there's really no good option with him. Uh, You hope that if you bring him back, then you're hoping that he just tears it up, and that's probably not likely. But with Clay specifically, I asked this question to Jason, and I'm curious with you. It sounds like, according to Michael Silver, the Packers are going to let him test the market, and they would like him back if the price is right. My question to you is, is there a right price, or is it time for Clay Matthews' time in Green Bay to be over? I think there is a a right price. And I talked about this a little bit with Andy uh, when I came on his show, um, maybe like a month ago. But Nick Perry at the time was one of the best pass rushers on the market. So he warranted that second contract at the time. It was a steeper price than maybe you wanted to spend, but he, there were not very good options. This year you have a ton of cap space. You have a ton of premium edge rushers on the market, and a lot of them are going to end up getting franchise tag or long-term contracts with their team. Um, but this is, this is the year, if you do move on from both, that I think you're okay moving on from both. To me, I would take Clay Matthews back if the price is right, but I don't know if I'm taking Matthews and Perry. I think if Nick Perry hangs on, um, you might see him in a Julius Peppers role where he is the rotational guy. I don't know if he's going to be your premium edge rusher, even though for the price he really needs to be that kind of guy. Um, But I don't see both Matthews and Perry in Green Bay. I think it's got to be one or the other given – what the contracts are looking like and the type of player that you can get on the market. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I mean, I've, I've talked about the edge position at nausea. If anybody has listened to anything I've talked about for really the last year, 
Uh, I have been very, very critical of the way the Packers have uh, approached that position. The reality is Nick Perry, Kyler Fackrell, Julius Peppers, those are your only significant additions to the edge rushing unit since 2012. Uh, It's time for an infusion of talent. That's why, you know, I've been talking very openly about I am okay if Green Bay goes edge rusher at 12 and edge rusher at 30 or edge rusher at 44 if the value warrants that way because that's the reality of the situation. Green Bay needs guys. uh, You're talking about guys they have on their roster currently that you are certain are going to be under contract next season. So say they cut Nick Perry. We all feel pretty confident that that'll happen. Uh, Then you have Kyler Fackrell, who had a good year, but I think most of us don't necessarily buy into that. Uh, Reggie Gilbert, who has proven nothing, and Kendall Donerson, who's proven less than that. So with those three guys, you need quite a few players to come into your locker room ready to rush the passer, and that, in my opinion, includes draft picks and free agents. I mentioned earlier you know, the two guys I would have signed. I would sign both of those guys if I could, and then even look into still drafting two guys because those free agents – yeah, that's all well and good. They're shiny new toys, but they're not going to be here for the foreseeable future. Whereas, I mean, if you go into next year with an edge rush unit of, say, Shaq Barrett, a first-round pick like Brian Burns or Montez Sweat or whoever, and then your second group is Kyler Fackrell and either the 30th overall pick or the 44th overall pick, and then you add in the fact that you signed another free agent like Zadaria Smith, you feel really good about that unit all of a sudden right. that you felt like had no answers especially last season. I know people like to say, you know, well, you know, Petten doesn't need those guys to get after the quarterback, and that's all well and good, but at the same time, he's not getting after the quarterback with bums at, at edge rusher. And I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful to those players. It's just that's the reality of the situation. The Packers don't have any guys at that position. I think it's something they definitely need to focus on. Uh, rumor has it from Tony Pauline, Rob Domoski, that the Packers are looking at pass rushers and free agency. Uh, and they definitely need to be looking at that as well in the draft, uh, depending on how the board falls and all that stuff as well. So it's definitely a, a unit that needs an infusion of talent and, quite frankly, an infusion of bodies. But I'm with you. If, if they're bringing back one of Matthews or Perry, it has to be one or the other. If I had my preference, I would say it's Matthews just because at least he's been on the field and he's going to cost you about half the price, I would think. But I also yeah. think at the same time his name is Clay Matthews. And some team will pay him on name value alone. So I actually do think both of them are not going to be in Green Bay next season if you held me to make a prediction. That is going to do it for this edition of Packaday. We are out of time. So thank you guys for listening in with us. Andy Herman will be back with you next week. Follow the show on Twitter. It's at Packaday Podcast. It's on your favorite podcast platforms. Give us a rating, a subscription on iTunes. Uh, give us that five star rating. Everything to help us keep bringing you guys content every week. You can follow me personally on Twitter. I am at Jacob Westendorf, and you can follow Maggie at Maggie Lawler. Lawler, that's L-A-W-L-E-R. I was really scared I was not going to pronounce that correctly when we started, so I'm thankful that I did. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. The Cheesehead TV Draft Guide is available for pre-order. It's $7 uh, for a pre-order. And, again, a comprehensive review, quarterback all the way down to kickers and specialists. Uh, a lot of great minds have gone through that. You know, a lot of people from this show, Andy Herman's doing some stuff. I'm in on it. Ross Uglum, Tyler Grezegorik. There's a lot of names that you'll recognize if you listen to this show. And it's people giving their own opinion based on their own film study of prospects, which is something I tend to appreciate. I don't know how most of you guys feel. But, you know, for example, 
I always say that I, I value somebody that has their own opinion on a prospect instead of just taking, here's Matt Miller's opinion, and here is Todd McShay and John Ledyard and Mel Kuyper, and I just kind of form my opinion based on those four guys. And all those guys are great. All those guys I just mentioned are on television and on these big platforms for a reason. So they deserve to be where they're at at the same time. I just tend to value somebody that has their own opinion a little bit more. You'll get that in the Cheesehead TV Draft Guide. That is the best sales pitch that I have for you. Uh, thank you guys for listening into this show. And as always, go Pack Go. Showing a blitz through the A gap, and here they come. Rogers looking, throws left side of the end zone. Adams, left corner of the end zone from Aaron Rodgers. 16-yard touchdown pass. The Packers an extra point away from getting this game tied. Beathard on third down and three in the shotgun. Football to the 46 at Green Bay. Packers showing a blitz, and here they come. Beathard looking, hit as he throws it. Deep down the right sideline, and intercepted on the play. Spectacular interception by Kevin King at the nine-yard line of Green Bay. Snap to Rodgers, looking right. Throws the right side, St. Brown makes the tackle. Inside the 30 of the 28-yard line. Snap to Rodgers. Looking downfield. Throws the left side. Devontae's got it. Out of bounds inside the 10-yard line. Oh, my goodness. What a throw and catch. Again, they beat Maven down the left sideline. Hunter Bradley, the snap. J.K. Scott down on one knee. Arm extended. Here it is. Placement made. Kick is up. It is good. It is good. Mason Crosby delivers the dagger. One week after his worst day ever, he delivers the dagger tonight. And the Packers win 33-30.